This is a 20 by 70 podcast extra. If you're someone who, like us at the Committee of 70, expects more from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C., then subscribe to the 20 by 70 podcast on the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you go to binge great audio. Welcome to uh, Studio C70 at the Committee of 70. Uh, we got a big election coming up next month, May 21st, big primary election, all sorts of judicial uh, offices on the ballot and city offices on the ballot, mayor, city council, row offices. Um, it's a very big election for the city of Philadelphia and elections are like job interviews. The job applicants are the candidates and the voters are kind of like, kind of like that hiring committee. Uh, so we've had job uh, applicants coming through here all day. Now we have Latrice Bryant with us. Thank Latrice, you, Pat. Welcome. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. Of course, one, and running for city council. So we only have 15 minutes. Let's dig right in. Uh, why are you running? I'm running for city council to bring back hope to our city, to bring back constituent services mm -hmm. at its best. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that the city of Philadelphia is a great city and it deserves the best services that it can that it, we, I can provide as a council person. Um, I'm, I'm a lifelong citizen of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I'm a product of the school district of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I teach in the school district of mm -hmm. Philadelphia with the children. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an advocate for families, for children, for seniors, for housing, for education. Mm -hmm. Pretty well-rounded. Um, I'll give you a little bit of my background. Sure. I worked 16 years in an at-large office. Mm -hmm. um, then prior to that, I worked in a Register Wills office mm -hmm. and um, also was assistant managing director mm -hmm. for the managing director's office. I've actually worked in five different departments, but what I'm most... <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of government experience already. <laughs> a lot of government experience. Mm -hmm. 22 years experience. Mm -hmm. 30 years experience as a Democratic elected committee person. Mm -hmm. 30 years experience as a block captain. Mm -hmm. And two terms as a Pennsylvania Democratic state committee person. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are all different titles. What I like most about that is actually serving the people of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I've done. I've given my life, my entire life, um, to uh, community service, mm -hmm. being a public servant. The first election that I was uh, able to vote, I was actually getting voted for at 18 years of age. Mm -hmm. So I'm encouraging young people to get involved. It may not seem popular for people to get involved, but mm -hmm. you reap the benefits um, of helping people. Mm -hmm. We should all help each other. Mm -hmm. And and so what you know what parts of your, of your background and experience you know in particular do you think will will prepare you to be a, a you know a, a city council member and potentially in, in the next council? And I might I might also like throw in there be your teaching experience, right? Because <laughs> right? teachers you know they got teachers got to deal with people even if they're little people all day long and that gives them something. I have a rare, very high tolerance for people. Mm -hmm. um, I treat people the way I want to be treated. Um, I from my experience has taught me to give the best services to people as if I was the constituent. Mm -hmm. So. Being a council person, you write legislation, you pass bills, but you also should have a staff that's competent to fulfill the needs of the citizens of Philadelphia as well. So mm -hmm. I think that me becoming a, a, a council person, mm -hmm. you get the best of both worlds because I mm -hmm. worked as a staffer. I know how um, the office should be ran and you won't have to worry about getting on a job training with me because I already know what to do. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's move into some some of the challenges with our, our politics and governance system in okay. here in the city. You know, I'll, I'll note that like you know, Philly's made great strides over over time. The committee of seventy has been around for a long time, and things are be definitely better time. now than they were in nineteen oh four. They do an excellent job. We're 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 trying. There, I mean, there are a lot of folks out there talking about uh, you know democracy, especially these especially these days. You know, and and so seventy actually just put out a platform this past week. We're calling it Philadelphia Resolution One PR One. Little nod to HR1, a pro democracy agenda down in, in DC. And it lists a number of things. Um, you know, the way our elections work, you know, uh, the way ballot positions are drawn, the way our, our ward endorsement process uh, works, the, you know, the, the fact that not everybody, uh, not every voter can participate in, in our primary elections. It mentions councilman prerogative, term limits, I mean, a whole bunch of things. If, if you were to pick out several uh, changes, reforms uh, for Philly, it could be from our, our platform or anywhere else, like what would, what would you really highlight that would improve? The way democracy works, democracy works, making it more open, responsive, transparent, accessible. I would open the process up and educate people okay. about the system. Mm -hmm. We live in a big city and people don't exactly know how the politics are actually ran in the city. Just, you know, becoming like a committee person or a black captain, but more so a committee person. That's mm -hmm. the, the lowest of the elected officials, but it's a very important role because mm -hmm. you knock on doors, you get a chance mm -hmm. to meet your neighbors and you, you introduce them to the process. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing would be about telling them about what the process is and then engaging them and mm -hmm. telling them how they can get involved in the process. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did do when I was in city council at large, I presented a, a presentation, it's called Citizens Participation in the Legislative Process, which allows voters and constituents, it's a whole like uh, model of how council started um, the weak um, council, strong mayor, strong mayor, weak mm -hmm. council, how that actually works and mm -hmm. the whole process of mm -hmm. how you as a constituent mm -hmm. cannot have, you don't have to be told what uh, a council candidate wants their um, legislation to be. Mm -hmm. You could actually go to them and say, hey, this is what I think is good mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I think this is what will work mm -hmm. for my constituents and ask them to present mm -hmm. um, legislation on behalf of your um, area or mm -hmm. your district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's, there's so, there's so much ground to cover. You, you just mentioned uh, the, the role of committee person that, right. that you have experience in, in, and you know, the committee people are like neighborhood party representatives, right? Um, down at the kind of the, na the neighborhood block level, and like you know, a lot of folks don't realize we have this, this kind of party infrastructure, right. you know, that's, that's part of our, part of our, our city here. Um, but it plays a, a, a huge role in, in elections, right? The, endor the endorsements that come out of our wards, um, a lot of voters listen to uh, in, in their neighborhoods. So, you know, is because the ward system has so much power uh, in, in our electoral process, you know, is is, is that system working, uh, you know, in, in the best possible way or are there things there that, that could or should change? The ward and the whole, um, I would say the whole endorsement process is mm -hmm. pretty much antiquated mm -hmm. because you take for example we have like 30 people that are running for city council at right. large and there like can only be five people who can be elected mm -hmm. the whole process um, historically they normally always go with the incumbents mm -hmm. so for example we had uh, three incumbents that out of the five that were endorsed and one incumbent had a staffer who pulled, she bought in and she got endorsed, which is good. But mm -hmm. when we interviewed, there was only there was only one spot left for 20 people, right. you know, to get endorsed. So I think it needs to be a more open process mm -hmm. where you can bring people into the process. Mm -hmm. I also think like the resign to run bill, for example, mm -hmm. I never was in agreement with the resign to run bill. Mm -hmm. And because I think that is one of the reasons why you don't get the best candidates running mm -hmm. for the city because you have to give up your job and your livelihood in order to run, mm -hmm. you know, on, and on the state level, you don't, but right. on the city level, right. you do. Right. So those things like that, I think should be changed because 
it gives more transparency, it gives people more of a, a mm -hmm. choice and mm -hmm. more so of a democracy, mm -hmm. more so than a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think 70 has actually in the past taken a position in support of pulling, a, pulling away that resign to run rule yes. so that we can have more people run for office, right? Yeah. Always always want more choices. Um, so, you know, we with, with the election next month, something else that, you know, a lot of folks may not realize is that uh, not everyone will have choices on that, on that day. Right. Not, not every voter will even be able to vote on the candidates. So I realize this is not something that city council would be able, would be able to legisl legislate around, but you know we do have closed primaries in the in the state of Pennsylvania. Do, okay. do you think our, our primary system you know should should change? Should you know independent voters, for example, have a chance to? I think everyone should have a chance to vote. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I was I filed my petitions um, for Democrat to be a Democratic mm -hmm. candidate, and they have the Republicans. But I actually met someone who was running more as an independent, mm -hmm. and they were saying that they had a whole different process mm -hmm. of filing. Mm -hmm. So I think that it should be a little bit more open. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, even we have uh, like uh, council people, we have 10 district council people, we have seven at large. Mm -hmm. I always thought some places have all at large, right. you know, and they cover the whole city. But mm -hmm. our, our system has always been that it's been 10 that are district and then seven at large. Mm -hmm. At some point, maybe we should all look at having them all be at large just mm -hmm. so you can represent the whole city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that's a very interesting recommendation. So let me let me segue yes. on, on, on to another issue that's garnered a lot of headlines uh, that this past year, and that's the issue of councilman prerogative. You know, for folks at home, this is this is basically the the power that a district member has over certain land decisions uh, in in their district. Um, and you know, I think some, you know some folks make the case that a district member was elected from the folks in that district, and they should have a say on you know, on, on how development proceeds uh, in in that area. But you know, there there have been a few headlines around you know decisions that may not have been made out in the open, or maybe even for the wrong reasons. You know, what what should happen with councilman prerogative? Should it go away? Should it should it be you know brought out the in the open? That word openness comes out a lot more. What I think it should there? be. I think councilman prerogatives should be brought out in the open. Mm -hmm. They should have to take it to the constituent in a town hall setting. Mm -hmm. Maybe they should have a vote on it and see. You know, because sometimes districts are drawn in favor of the incumbents. Mm -hmm. And once again, I'm not always about incumbency because mm -hmm. I'm about new people, about change. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if you have the same um, maps that are drawn, you're going to get the same people elected. There's mm -hmm. the same people that are going to vote for them. So mm -hmm. we need to open our eyes up to other processes that may um, include other people instead of excluding them. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so here we, uh, we have a, a few minutes left. So, you know, let's, you're, you're in the next council, you've, you've, you've won, and like, you know, this is happened, I think this happens with a lot of candidates, they win, and then they're, they're getting ready to be a public official, and it's like, what next? All right. So, like, what, what would be that, that what next for you? Like, what would those be the, the big priority, or big couple of priorities for you as a new council member? Well, I think my biggest priority, uh, Pat, would be to help bring the city out of poverty. Mm -hmm. We have so many people that are living in poverty or below the poverty level in this city. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that we can do to change that are, you know, to help people to stay in their homes. Mm -hmm. We have like over three, between 300 and 400 houses that go up for sale mm -hmm. on sheriff's sale mm -hmm. every month. Mm -hmm. So where do these people go? Mm -hmm. When they lose their homes, their credit is messed up. Mm -hmm. They have to go inside um, apartments, mm -hmm. you know, so we have to educate them um, in, in ways that they will be able to stay in their homes. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I would do and work with housing um, organizations mm -hmm. and organizations to help them stay in their homes and, and avoid foreclosure. Mm -hmm. Education, I would work with the school district of Philadelphia, which I currently do anyway, mm -hmm. but I would work with them to work with the youth to you know, have them um, 
better ways for them to get go into college and get mm-hmm. scholarships and not so much loans or mm-hmm. make the colleges we have we're we're a city of colleges and universities but make these mm-hmm. colleges more accountable for the Philadelphia children that, that live here mm-hmm. and not so much people that are coming from out of state mm-hmm. but there are a lot of children or students that live here they're not um, being able to take advantage of the universities mm-hmm. being here at the time mm-hmm. um, also um, jobs. I believe in raising the minimum wage. Places mm-hmm. like Seattle have wa- uh, raised the minimum wage up to $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. Our, our minimum wage is way too low. So it's uh, making our people live in poverty. We need to raise the minimum wage, but we also need to go to businesses to help them to be able to get to the point where they, you can raise the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So I also mm-hmm. believe in helping small businesses. Small mm-hmm. businesses need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. So um, I would work with small businesses with small business workshops and mm-hmm. minority business enterprises to mm-hmm. bring back more jobs to the community and to our city. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Philadelphian, so I always believe in Philadelphians first. So I yep. believe that if you live in Philadelphia, there are city jobs that Philadelphians should have first priority to city jobs. Mm-hmm. Have you, since you've, you've been on the campaign trail, what, what have you heard from voters? I mean, do they, are voters you know, optimistic about the city, about, about City Hall? I mean, what, and I, when I say City Hall, I kind of mean it generically as like local government. Right. But you know, what, what, are you, what are you hearing? What I'm hearing on the campaign chain, uh, mm-hmm. trail is change. Mm-hmm. People are looking for change. Mm-hmm. They're looking for new faces. Mm-hmm. They're looking for, I don't know if they, younger faces. <laughs> they, yeah. they believe in um, term limits even if they don't understand the legislation of the term limits, mm-hmm. they just believe that some mm-hmm. of these elected officials have stayed in too long. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is I've always said this, um, being a committee person and getting involved mm-hmm. young, it was hard for me to get involved and mm-hmm. to be able to run and get the support because a lot of these elected officials, they just stay in office too long. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing is I always said this, that either you have to beat them, they have to die, get indicted, mm-hmm. go to jail, or, you know, or you just have to run it, run against them and hope mm-hmm. that you win. Because mm-hmm. most of them, they do not pass the baton. They do not mentor the younger people to take on mm-hmm. the seats um, when they leave. Mm-hmm. So we're stuck with these people and there's a huge gap. You have the millennials and then you have these people that are senior citizens mm-hmm. and they have not left. I'm not saying mm-hmm. they didn't do a good job, but at some point you should be mentoring people to take your seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you you mentioned term limits. Term limits are are, are one of the planks in the, in the PR one platform we just put out there. The things we you know we understand that term limits are are kind of a blunt instrument. They're a double-edged sword, right? I mean, they're they're you can, the limits can be either too short or too or too long. You know, if 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 that might be something that would help guarantee a, a good amount of or a decent amount of turnover, right? In in a, in a legislature here in Philly with our city council, like what what might those term limits be? Well, what I was hearing, um, even when I worked in a council at large office. Mm-hmm. Um, my former boss, uh, Councilman Good, mm-hmm. he actually was advocating for term limits. Yep. And I was sort of kind of like thinking like, why would you advocate for, for term limits right. when you're so young? Right. But um, term limits, there is a need for it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they were saying mm-hmm. like two terms or mm-hmm. three terms, you know, mm-hmm. the president runs for two terms, it's mm-hmm. four years, eight years, after eight years, you can't run again. So maybe we should look at that. Mm-hmm. If you have not um, been able to accomplish something in two mm-hmm. terms or mm-hmm. even maybe three terms, then mm-hmm. maybe it's just time for you to go. But I don't think that they should make it their home. Mm-hmm. They should do what they have to do, make accomplishments, and then you should move on to something else. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons why I believe that people don't move on to something else is because they don't want to give up their livelihood. Mm-hmm. You see people that are in the state, they transition to city, 
they have ran for state rep and they've came back and ran for city council. Mm -hmm. City council has never had that privilege to do that because the elected officials and the employees both have to resign to run. So yeah. I think that law needs to be changed. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's uh, there's a lot of issues out there, and yeah. we just covered <laughs> a good bit of ground in 15 minutes. So we will have to wrap it up. Right. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you so much. Um, we are going to sign off here from Studio C70. Uh, be sure to vote on May 21st. Latrice Bryant. I'm button number five. <laughs> got, got the literature ready to go. <laughs> so you'll also find Latrice in 70's nonpartisan voter guide, ballot.70.org. Um, you can also find this guide and a whole host of other resources at the WeVote app um, that you can download wherever you download your apps at home. Uh, and finally, thank you to Thomas Skelton Harrison for supporting uh, this project today with all the candidates coming through. Thank Patrice, you. Thank thanks you, a lot. Thank you and so best much. of luck on the trail. Thank you so much. All righty. See ya. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, the long-standing civic organization that educates and engages voters uh, in the political process and uh, advocates for better government, better politics uh, in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Uh, we've got an election coming up, primary election on May 21st, where we're going to elect city council candidates, city commissioner candidates, a mayor, uh, and a host of other citywide officials. In our view, uh, Running for office uh, is a job interview uh, where uh, the candidates, the applicants have a chance to talk to the voters, the hiring committee, if you will, uh, and make their case as to why they ought to be uh, elected. So uh, in that spirit, we're doing a series of council candidate interviews uh, and uh, I'm joined now by Justin DeBerdinas, uh, who's running for uh, as a Democrat for city council at large, and we're going to spend about 15 minutes talking with him. So welcome, Justin. Yeah, thank you, David. Thank you, Committee of 70, for having me. Great. So like any good job interview, it's a combination of uh, trying to uh, hear your uh, plans, uh, your accomplishments, and then maybe some specifics on a few issues. So let me start with the, the most basic of questions, uh, which is why are you running, uh, and uh, uh, what would you hope to bring to the people of the city of Philadelphia? Well, David, i lived my whole life in this city. I was born in the Philadelphia of the 1980s, grew up in the Philadelphia of the 80s and 90s. And in my 37 years, I think this is about the most exciting time I've seen to be a Philadelphian. I grew up in a city that I felt was defined in many respects by its decline. I grew up in a neighborhood where there were less people, less jobs, less, less physical neighborhoods. Your neighborhoods are being demolished in many parts of the city. And I would say less hope. I think that city, has changed. This is not a city that's dying. This is a city that for the first time in generations is beginning to see new populations, new and sustained growth, beginning to see some economic growth. And I think the fundamental governing questions of this city need to change. I think we have to leave behind a politics of partisanship and division. I think those are the politics of a declining city. I think we now have to find the unifying politics of a city that's growing and have to think about what it's growing into. I think this is a major pivot point. I think this is now time for Philadelphia to plan for the future, plan for coming generations, plan for the next century, and I hope to be a part of that process. So I think that's one reason I want to run now. I, I really want to see the future of this city shaped and discussed and thought about in really broad, open ways, and that we can come to some sort of consensus or vision of the city we want to build over the next 20 So what's, years. what's the role of an at-large city council person in trying to push the conversation in that direction? You know, something I've talked about a lot during this campaign is, is I think every, you know, 50 to 100 years, this city looks at its governing documents. It looks at its charter. 
It looks at the rules of the road. What's the what's the constitution of this city? What is the government that we think should build going forward? Last time I, we did that comprehensively was the 1940s and the 1950s. That was another major transition in the city. It was a transition of political party control. It was a transition from the pre-war city to a post-war economy that was building. It's like it's not on. Should we do that again? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay. Right, let's keep going. Yeah, we were at a major point of transition. I transitioned from a city that was uh, from the pre-war city to the post-war city, transition in political parties, and we looked at government and what it should be and how it should operate and how best it could serve the citizens. I think it's time for that conversation again. Committee of 70 led the way in the 1940s in that conversation and it led in generations previous. And I think 70 has a huge role to play in having that conversation renewed. I think a spirit of reform is building in the city. Mm -hmm. I think that a lack of hope and a lack of faith that's represented in voter turnouts in 15 and 16 and 17% in municipal elections. That tells us that people don't believe in government. It means that they're frustrated with council. It means that they don't trust that the decisions that are being made in the body are really serving the citizens. And I think we need to restart that conversation about how we have a city that is free of prerogatives. I think a conversation about term limits. I think a conversation about fair and open and honest government is needed. And I'm excited to be a part of that conversation. Good. There's well, other things we need we'll, to do we'll, as well. We'll, we'll get we'll get back yeah. to that. Um, uh, but uh, just to sort of interpret, so is is one part of your thinking that we ought to take a comprehensive look at the city charter and absolutely not just piecemeal it we seem to have a ballot initiative every go round that chips away at some obscure aspect of the charter. Is it time to look at the whole thing? I believe we need a citywide charter convention. That's what I think we need. I think we need a great gathering of the civic and business and community leaders and political leaders of this city to say, if we're going to the studs, if we're writing a fresh document, what do we want to see in this city? Do we still want to see a city where council has individual council members of unilateral control of land use and zoning? Do we want to be a city where variances are needed for every single project that is built? Do we want to be in a city where we have a council that has very weak budgetary oversight of the executive branch? That was one of the major issues when the charter was developed in the 40s and, and passed in, in 1950s. There was a question, where did council have enough power over, over the budget of the city? I think these are important questions, and I think it's time to revisit them. I don't think that's the only thing we need to reform. I right. think another thing we need to reform is the worst municipal tax code in America. I worked in this council. Um, I was the legislative director for Councilwoman Sanchez. I focused on tax policy. These are self-inflicted wounds. I think our structures of governance, I think our structures of taxation, these are the things we've been doing that have held our city back to no good end. I want us to do these reforms. I want us to set the foundation for a prosperous and equitable city. I think if we get these foundations right, we could achieve rare and special things for American cities here in Philadelphia. We have done that before. I think we can do it again. Good. Um, as I said at the outset, you know, job interviews are a combination of uh, your plans for the future and your reflection on your own accomplishments. Yeah. So talk about a few things in your career so far that you think have made uh, a difference, a positive difference to the city of Philadelphia or city of Philadelphia neighborhoods. What are your, what are the things that you want people to know that you've accomplished so far? Well, I feel very proud of my 16 year professional history of getting things done in this town. My, my career started in community organizing. I organized in Kensington, which was where I was born, very close to where I grew up. I grew up in Fishtown. I led the campaign for a new Willard Elementary School. In the early 2000s, that was the most dilapidated 
and toxic school in the city of Philadelphia. The same issues of lead and asbestos and mold that many of our schools are dealing with, but it was also horribly overcrowded. And it was, it is very racially mixed school. That's rare in our city, but the work of organizing was of bringing black and Latino and white families together to understand that they had a common cause in getting the school that their children deserved built. Um, I was proud to lead that campaign. I was proud to get a new Willard school built. I was proud to work for an independent and reform-minded councilwoman, Maria Quinone Sanchez. We passed a lot of bills that I think moved this city forward in a lot of ways around redistricting and gerrymandering, around progressive tax policies. For the last six years, I've been leading the program at Bartram's Garden, Southwest Philadelphia. I think we've built one of the best parks in the city. It's drawing national attention and national resources to a community that really badly needs a park of that quality. A focus of our work at Bartram's has been job training for young people. I have 50 teenagers from Bartram's High School who have jobs at that garden. Um, they are working one of the best urban farms in America. They are growing 20,000 pounds of organic produce for their community. We have over 30 employees. We are building a pipeline to employment in that neighborhood. I believe that's what every public institution, school, park, library should be doing in this city. It should be preparing our youth for professional opportunities and for the economy that we are growing, and it should be creating living wage job opportunities for the communities that need them. I think my track record is my platform. The things that I've worked on are the things I want to do in City Hall. I've had some real success in the places I've done it, and, and I think I can have success in that building. Yeah. So one of the challenges uh, as one of uh, 17 city council per people, particularly as an at-large council person, is to, uh, you know, to build the, the, the caucus, to build the, the, the votes that you need uh, to, to move a piece of legislation. At the end of the day, you need nine votes. Uh, the mayor's conscious of that. Um, so city council is not just a, a, a debating uh, uh, organization. Uh, you, you have to be able to organize effectively. If, you, if you're trying to drive change, if you're trying to get the votes for uh, a comprehensive look at the city charter, you got to get the nine. Mm -hmm. So just talk to me about your experience and how it relates to your ability to pull something like that off. Well, you know, uh, you know I worked in council and I was a part of passing some really tough bills. And, and usually when a bill got passed, it was because an unusual coalition formed. You know, Bill Green and, and Councilwoman Sanchez had very different backgrounds, you know, in many ways had different political philosophies, but I think the business tax reform legislation that we passed was a result of people with different backgrounds and different beliefs finding common cause to move this city forward. I think that has been demonstrated in all the stops in my career. I think that's what organizing work is at its foundation, is building new coalitions, mm -hmm. new coalitions so that there's new will and new power to achieve new outcomes. That's the kind of headset and experience that, that I want to bring to council. I, I think this is also a period where we have elected a lot of new council members over the last couple cycles. We may be reaching a tipping point. We may be at a time where things that previously we had thought weren't possible are going to become possible. We will elect at least two new council members this cycle and maybe more. I think that tipping point could be near. But fundamentally, when I talk about reform of council, I don't know that our structure of governance has been a good deal for council. I think that's what I talk about. I don't think my conversation is about how we have a weaker council or a less powerful council. I think it's about having a council with the right powers. I'd love to take council members to see some other cities in America, see how city councils in New York or Baltimore are functioning. Chicago? See, or, well, maybe not <laughs> Chicago. Um, but I think we can look at cities where there are councils that have strong oversight powers, where there's real checks and balances. And I think if we saw that, maybe we wouldn't feel so afraid to give up parochial powers of prerogative or parochial powers around variances if we saw that we'd have a stronger and more properly powered 
legislative branch. I think it's not just a conversation about counsel. I think it's a conversation about the balance of power between the executive and the legislature. And that's the conversation we're not having. I think it'll be a better deal for counsel and a better deal for the citizens of Philadelphia if we get it right. Good enough. Let me dive into the last bucket of issues. We sure. sort of touched on them early, uh, earlier, but uh, in our view, there's sort of a pervasive sense out there, a frustration with the way City Hall works, not just the people in the building and the processes in the building, but the politics that, that put them there. The lack of transparency, you mentioned, mentioned councilmanic prerogative, the way we run elections. Uh, I'm sure it's dawned on you that uh, with 50 some candidates, I think for council at large, with no runoff provisions, this feels like kind of a silly way to run elections if we're trying to get to some sense of consensus, that we don't let independents, uh, voters vote in primary elections transparency in, in the processes of council. So, you know, we've put out uh, uh, what we're calling Philadelphia Resolution 1 as sort of a starting point for what we think is necessary to, to drive those kinds of things. But wh wh what do you think about, what do you care about, what do you think we ought to focus on? I think these are all important reforms. And, and for me, I do not believe this current system of governance is delivering for the people. And I think the proof is in the pudding when you look at who's showing up to vote. I think for me, that is that is the people saying that they don't believe this body is serving the needs of their community or is operating in an open and transparent way that they can trust. Therefore, they don't want to invest their time to go to the ballot box and to cast a vote. That is a real problem. It harms us not just in our city, but it harms us in our representation in Harrisburg and in Washington, D.C. I think it's something, I think it is a trust and a faith in government that needs to be rebuilt. I believe to get there, a charter convention to take this document to the studs, to imagine the government that we want to lead the city forward. I don't think legislators should be involved in the drawing of district boundaries. I don't think that elected officials should be involved in the overseeing of elections. I don't believe that being elected to council should be a lifetime position. I don't believe that a bike lane should stop or start at a legislative boundary. I don't believe that an individual actor should have the ability to decide whether a parcel is zoned for a row home or a skyscraper. These are not modern, effective, or transparent systems of governance. I think the citizens of this city know it. I think many of the politicians of this city know it. And I think we need to do the hard work to begin the conversation. This is multi-year work. This isn't about planning for tomorrow. This is about planning for the next 30, 40, 50 years. We need to do the hard work to have that conversation, to build a new coalition for reform, and to do the hard work to get that passed, and to elect a mayor who's probably running on a platform of reform. That's what it took in the past. I think that's what it's going to take going forward. I want to be a part of doing the hard work to get us there. Great, great. Uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's uh, about put, uh, puts a wrap on our uh, discussion, our interview, our job interview with Justin DeBerardinas. Um, thanks to you for joining us. A couple other thanks to the Thomas uh, Skelton Harrison Foundation for providing the support to, uh, to do this and other uh, activities around the upcoming primary. Um, hope you found this useful. If you want to dive in deeper on candidates and elections coming up uh, on May 21st, take a look at our voter guide, uh, which you can find at 70.org, S-E-V-E-N-T-Y.org. Uh, or if you want to make things really easy on yourself, you can download our WeVote app, uh, which enables you to hold in the palm of your hand a whole suite of tools that you can use to figure out who you're going to vote for, uh, take that with you to the polls, share it with your friends, uh, and uh, turn yourself into what we hope is a, a super voter and a super citizen. 
So thanks for joining us. Uh, stay tuned for other conversations as we uh, uh, march through the ranks of city council candidates and, and talk soon. Thank you. Hi, this is David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70 Philadelphia's longstanding civic leadership organization that engages voters in the voting process and advocates for better government here in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. We have an election coming up on May 21st. The way we look at it, running for office is a job interview. So between now and then, and certainly uh, even as we speak, it's a chance for candidates to go talk to voters who ultimately make the decision about who's hired, who's fired, uh, or who's retained. Uh, in that light, joining us is uh, City Council at large uh, member, Alan Dom, who is running for re-election. And thanks for being with us. Thank you, He's David. running as a Democrat, if you hadn't uh, figured that out. Uh, and we're gonna spend about 15 minutes talking with uh, Councilman Dom about his, uh, his goals, his vision, his experience, uh, and uh, where we go from here. So. Let me start with the most basic fundamental question that uh, uh, every interview like this probably begins with. Uh, in this case, why are you running for re-election? So I'm running for re-election to continue the work I've done in my first three and a half years or so, and that is to make Philadelphia the best it can be and to change our city dramatically, to take people out of poverty and to really address it. People talk about poverty. We've been talking about poverty for 70 years. We really haven't made a big dent in the poverty issue. And a few things that I've been working on, I think can make a big dent. I'm happy to share them with you, you know, during the interview. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're talking about job interview and when you're interviewing people, because I've had a lot of experience in the, in the private sector of interviewing, I always look for three things in any job interview. And I call it SAM, S-A-M, stability, ability, and maturity. I'll borrow those. If okay. okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so and anyone I'm interviewing, I say that they have SAM. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel to, to in a, Many people, by the way, when I first ran said, oh, you're too old to be in council, okay? And I would say this, the knowledge that I've gained over my career and the business acumen I have and dealing with people is invaluable. I didn't have that 20 years ago or 25 years ago. I have it today. And I think that's been a great tool for me in looking at the city's budget, which is now at 5 billion, mm -hmm. up from 4.150 billion four years ago, 21% increase in four years. And then looking at our capital projects, I'm now looking at our school budget, which is 3.2 billion. And at the end of the day, this job interview is really not just about what you're gonna do for the city, but understanding as a member of council, one of 17, you approve that budget. And we have to make sure that the taxpayers' dollars are invested efficiently and help as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned this early, or earlier, uh, this is a time when we uh, hear a lot about this, I hope for uh, to good effect, which is that um, we've gotten used to talking about Philadelphia as the poorest big city uh, in this country. And as you point out, this has been true one way, shape or form for decades. This is not a, this just happened last week kind of a problem. So this is this is a persistent, deep rooted structural challenge that we, we have in the city. Right. So, so one response to that probably could be like, uh, forget about it, I don't know what to do about it. But I have a sense that you maybe have uh, a few ideas about how we can move the needle. So I think this is our biggest problem. And our biggest goal, in my opinion, is to take people, at least 50 to 100,000 people out of poverty over the next several years. And we have to change, there's several steps. One, the best way out of poverty is a great job. Clearly that's the best thing. We have many people 18 to 50 that do not have a job or do not have a good job. 
And in the big picture, it's education and it's job training and job opportunities, which also means businesses coming here, more businesses coming here, more job opportunities. David, let me give you a few facts. I'm going to talk about education also. From 2010 to 2017, of the 81% of the people who left Philadelphia, they did not have children. 19% had children who left our city. Meaning it's not just about schools. It's not about schools. 81% left. The number one reason they left, taxes. The second reason they left were job opportunities. Every day in Philadelphia, 211,000 people commute outside of the city to a job in the suburbs. 40% of our Philadelphia population leaves the city by some form of transportation and goes to a suburban job. Is that unusual? New York City is 15%. That's highly unusual. So now we have all these factors. And one of these reasons why this is happening is the wealth of this region is not in the city. 19106, which is probably the wealthiest zip code in the city, compared to Gwynedd Valley, it's, it's $157,000 on average less than Gwynedd Valley. The reason why these jobs are in the suburbs, one, city wage tax, two, the BERT taxes, whether it's the net income and the gross receipts, they need to be addressed. The second piece, though, besides just making sure businesses are here, what we should be doing is knocking on the door of every business in the suburb and saying to them, we want you here. What will it take to bring you here? We want you to open a second office or move your main office. Whatever we need to do, we need to bring them here. Because one thing we have going for us, we have the millennials and the baby boomers who do want to live urban. Mm -hmm. I don't know any millennial who says to me, I can't wait to move to Wayne, Pennsylvania. That's just not happening, okay? They wanna stay in the city. We have the talent. Now we have to bring the businesses here. Yeah. On the education front, three years ago, I'm a big proponent of financial literacy. And I think it should be taught pre-K to 12th grade. I tried to make it happen. I wasn't successful through the school system. So I went to the Federal Reserve. And we have a great asset here, the mm -hmm. Federal Reserve at Sixth and Market. Yeah. Dr. Andrew Hill, who's at the Federal Reserve, put together financial literacy training courses for our teachers. And I've now sponsored 122 public school teachers that have taken the courses at the Federal with Reserve. With my own money? With my own money. That have taken the courses at the Federal Reserve. We're now teaching today between 3,000 and 3,500 high school, uh, public school students, pre-K to 12th grade. They even have a course called Kittynomics for mm -hmm. four-year-olds. Yep. Hancock Elementary in the Northeast is the first Philadelphia public school, K through five, that's financially literacy certified, meaning every teacher K through five has taken the class. Mm -hmm. I went to a third grade class there to observe it, and the kids were being taught how to make a profit selling cupcakes, for example. They're learning great skills. I ran a, we had a candy store in third grade. <laughs> you get it. Those are good examples. a massive lessons. theft problem at some point, but <laughs> until we got there, it was a very useful learning exercise. better inventory exercise. controls. Yes, exactly. But the other goal I had was to teach technology and coding. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done with Sylvester Mobley, who has a company called Coded by Kids, mm -hmm. I've supported four public high schools. I have business leaders support 21. We now have 25 public high schools in Philadelphia teaching coding in the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. We have 375 kids in the program. Dr. Hyde saw this happening, and actually, which is a great thing. And I, he's been great, by the way, Dr. Hyde. I'm a full supporter of Dr. Hyde. I think he's doing a great job. He's put into three high schools coding, which is great. And so two months ago, I met with um, Governor Wolf, met with Congressman Evans. They were both supportive of what I'm gonna share with you now. And that is I put in a resolution in council, supported by all my colleagues in council. They all supported it. I asked the state to do four things for us. One, we want mandatory financial literacy in our public schools pre-K to 12th grade, mandatory technology and coding in our schools pre-K to 12th grade, 
Three, we want to teach entrepreneurship, and I'll tell you why in a second. Mm -hmm. Seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade. And four, we want to give kids the option of working one day a week in a job, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, and going to school for four days. So it's like Crystal Ray, mm -hmm. but count that as credit. Why entrepreneurship is so important to be taught. In the city of Philadelphia, 78.8% of our businesses are owned by white people. 10% are owned by Asian, 2.4 African-American, right. yet our population is 41%. We need to teach people how to create wealth. Yep. Yep. And so, yep. well, let me, uh, I'm, I have to say, uh, particularly the last issues near and dear to my heart over the years, I was the founder of the Enterprise Center out in 46 in, in market. Oh, so you know it. Focused yeah. on just that, yeah. that premise. Sadly, the numbers have moved. That was the early 1990s. And the numbers haven't moved that much. So that's the magnitude of the challenge. Um, but let me talk to you about your role within council because you're not short of ideas. Uh, but one job of a council member as one of 17 is to uh, to whip the votes, to you know, do what you need to go, do to get to nine. Magic number nine. Uh, and then you know, if you have nine, you probably have the mayor. Uh, so what have you learned about that process? You come from a business background, an entrepreneurial background, probably a little different than dealing with this, uh, this government. group with government. But uh, what have you learned uh, about that process that might make you think like I could pull this off on any one of these plans, tax reform or teaching entrepreneurship or whatever? So I've passed nine bills in my first term. And uh, what I have learned is that Contrary to what maybe people thought, council members work a lot harder than people think they do. They're out there all the time working. I see them. They are a hardworking group of people. And when you sit down with them, they understand the issues and you can work with them. Okay. Um, the, some of the bills I passed, for example, I passed the bill because when we purchased the Inquirer building, you know, they're calling mm -hmm. it a lease. We have a purchase there. We never got an appraisal. So I passed the bill requiring us to have an appraisal. Um, that was used at 46 in market when we sold that property. I passed a bill called the fiscal impact study that says on any legislation, anyone can raise their hand and say, give me the fiscal analysis on that particular legislation, including jobs gained and jobs lost. Mm -hmm. Last April, I raised my hand. I was the one who raised my hand and said, where is this 33 million that's unaccounted for? And more importantly, I raised my hand and said, why are there seven accounts going back to 2010, some seven years? that haven't been balanced or reconciled, totaling a lot of money. I put in a bill to make sure that that would never happen again. So we have now a reconciliation mm -hmm. for council, a report every month. And by the way, the administration's credit, they appointed a task force. They have found of the 33 million, everything but about $500,000, which mm -hmm. is good. And they've reconciled about 99.9% .9 of the accounts. Are you confident that we have put in place, this, this wasn't just a one-time fix, hurry up, task force, whatever, but is this going to happen again? Well, I'm confident they have it fixed. But the reason why I want to, I put a bill in where they have to give a monthly report to the council of every account reconciled, every account not reconciled, what checks are outstanding. So now we have a system of checks and balances in place for the council. But it's really, you know, the administration's responsibility. But this goes back prior to the Kenny administration. It goes back years. And so mm -hmm. I think in general, it's good. It's just good financial management for the city of Florida. Okay. Let me ask you the last sort of bucket of questions is around uh, the political process, everything from councilman and prerogative. I know you came out in favor of term limits a few weeks ago. Uh, 
if you're reelected, it will be on your watch that council districts are redrawn after the next census. We believe that that ought to be a more open, inclusive, citizen-driven process. Um, there's a, the, the transparency of the way council itself manages its money and manages the flow of bills and amendments. Uh, our view, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of work to be done there. So I'm just curious on where you are on all of that, um, uh, because this is this is pretty fundamental in our view to really sending a signal that, that people ought to dig into local democracy. So I would say, look, I introduced the term limit bill, and I believe in the term limits for city council, and I grandfathered everybody who was there. Mm -hmm. And of the 10 largest cities in the country, eight of them have term limits. Right. Only Chicago and Philadelphia do not. And I'm gonna to continue to push for that. That's number one. I also introduced legislation that I was the only one on the bill. And that was to eliminate, for future hires, I just wanna make sure I'm clear, for future hires, non-represented, the DROP program, the Deferred Retirement Option Program, because it has cost the city money. And to the average taxpayer, it is something that is not, uh, they're not a fan the of. Big numbers that don't make any sense. Right, So and that, that hasn't gone anywhere. I would say probably, sadly for me, I probably introduced more bills to on tax collection, DROP, term limits, that haven't had a hearing, uh, but you know you have to work around it too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say that I don't understand right now how some of these districts are handled. Like I just don't get it. It seems to me like there could be a better way to do that. And I'll tell you what else I'm not happy about. And that is the process of how we pick our ballots. Mm -hmm. it seems to me that should be automated or randomized. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be a different system. I'm happy well, we to, agree with you there. Yeah, I'm, I would. If you give me the right system, I'm happy yeah. to use legislation to make it happen. Mm -hmm. The one good thing about me, David, is that I'm only there for one reason. That is to make it better. Mm -hmm. And I'm not tied to anybody, because no one can tell me what to do. Because my, my I answer to our children and grandchildren. And the best example is the Inquirer building. I negotiated a loan on the Inquirer building that was 3.75 percent fixed for 19 years, a great rate. Now the administration did not take it. They took up. 4.03 adjustable, but I did that because it may have cost us three or four million dollars in the short term. Over the long term, it could save us 100 to 200 million dollars. Mm -hmm. And I look, I think of things in the long term. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question, which is which is unique to you. I would say, my view, uh, uh, somewhat um, sadly, but it's unique to you in among council members, and that you're a business person. You continue to have a successful business with your name on it. Uh, questions have arisen time to time. I get calls from reporters. I'm sure you get the same calls about potential conflicts of interests or uh, how does Councilman Dom keep his business and his political interests uh, straight? H how do you respond to that so, particular challenge? I, I'm probably the most frequent caller of the ethics board and I have constantly ask them questions on every issue. There have been many votes that I've recused myself on even though I could have voted, I recused myself. I try to keep myself totally clear of any conflict and I rely on our ethics. We have a great ethics board mm -hmm. at the city and I rely on them. You can probably call them and ask them. I'm probably the most frequent caller to, to uh, have questions answered on mm -hmm. if there's an issue or not. Yeah. You know, on a lot of my issues though, I think what people don't realize is that I operate from my heart and what I think is right for the city. You know, people think I'm a supporter of the abatement. In reality, personally, the abatement hurts me. No one really thought it through. I don't really build new buildings. I have existing buildings. Mm -hmm. And when new buildings are built, the supply goes into the market, which affects the existing buildings. Mm -hmm. But I believe the abatement's good because it creates jobs for our city. 
I voted for the beverage tax, even though I have interest in restaurants. And so I'm not voting for me personally. I vote based on what's best for the city. Good. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Uh, best of luck to you in your Thank second you go much. around. I'm sure it's uh, you learn something new every day. And I want to give a shout out to the community of Sandy. You guys do a great job. Oh, thank you. Really, uh, we'll do our best. It's very good. <laughs> uh, as I said at the outset, there is an election, a primary election on May 21st. So right now, if you haven't, make a plan to vote. Share that with your friends, your kids, your neighbors, your relatives, people you go to church with, whatever. Uh, if you want to learn more about the election coming up, Take a look at our website, 70.org, where you can find our world-class voter guide. Uh, you can also download our WeVote app to your phone, which will put in your hand everything you need to know about candidates, elections, issues, and allow you to select your own ba ballot, take it with you to the polls, share it with your friends and neighbors, uh, and be well-equipped and well-informed for the primary election. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you at the polls. Welcome to Studio C70 at the Committee of 70. I am Patrick Christmas, uh, and May 21st is Election Day. Got a big primary coming up. Uh, judicial office is a whole slew of city uh, city council uh, candidates running. Uh, it's just going to be a really big day. And you know, elections are job interviews. Uh, the are. candidates are job applicants. Voters are the hiring committee, and we have one of our job applicants for city council at large with us today, Beth Finn. Beth, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's oh. really great to be here. I really admire the work that Committee of 70 does. Great. Well, we, we appreciate it. We only have 15 minutes today, so let's let's jump right into it. Yeah. Um, to start, why are you running? Well, uh, you know, there's so many reasons, but at the heart of the matter is that I no longer think that I can continue to do my day job during the day. I work in IT as a project manager and my activism on nights and weekends. I think there's just too much work that needs to be done, too many people that need help in the city of Philadelphia. And uh, so I can't convince myself of doing that split uh, focus anymore. And so mm -hmm. now I, I, I decided to run and it is the scariest and most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> that sounds like about the right balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have all but one, but not the other thing. Yeah, something, something, right, something's exactly. probably off. <laughs> so, you know, given your, your career, work experience, your the skills you bring to the table, um, you know, what, what makes you ready to be a city council member? Well, I am a co-founder of the Women's March on Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I am a 15-year brain tumor survivor. Mm -hmm. And in my day job, like I mentioned, I work in IT and in tech as a project manager. I think those project management skills really bring something unique and special to City Hall. Mm -hmm. I spend all day making sure that we're solving problems efficiently and that we're focused on, cause, on solving the root causes of the issues rather than treating symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think City Hall does a lot of treating symptoms right now, which mm -hmm. is a temporary fix, mm -hmm. but we need to really address the root causes of the serious issues our city is facing, like poverty and homelessness, yeah. uh, if we really want to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly a lot of issues to address in, in Philly yes. and, 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 and across the state. So, you know, I think one of the kind of exciting things, it is an exciting thing, is that there's a lot of policy being made at the state and local level, yes. not as much in D.C. for a number of reasons, and we'll leave that, leave that for another day. But as far as, um, you know, City Hall goes and the, de the decisions they make and, and how they make them, you know, what do you think could be improved as, as far as like how City Hall works? Uh, I think part of it is we have to improve those efficiencies. There's mm -hmm. a lot of waste in what we're doing now. Um, my perfect example and something that I'm really campaigning on is that we spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year paying Wall Street banks to keep our money for us. Mm -hmm. And if we had a public bank here in Philadelphia, we would mm -hmm. instantly save that money. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention we could 
also uh, refinance our debt at a much better rate, and we could invest our money here at home rather than in whatever the big banks want, want to invest it in. Mm -hmm. So efficiencies uh, are things that we really need to focus on. I also think that our budget is a reflection of our priorities, mm -hmm. and I don't think that our budget is spent on the things that are really the priority of Philadelphians right now. Mm -hmm. So I want to rearrange how we're spending things. Um, and I want to make sure that we are taxing the wealth in the city rather mm -hmm. than taxing the people in the city, mm -hmm. um, because that is uh, the way our tax structure is right now. It's really impacting our lower income Philadelphians much more than our higher income Philadelphians. And I want to make sure everybody, including corporations, are yep. paying their fair share. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll great deal of, of how these decisions get made is just who is there to make them. Yeah. Um, so we have a 17 member council and a, and a mayor, you know, around elections, you know, committee 70 loves elections. What given, you know, especially given your experience on the campaign trail now, you know, what, what do you think should be improved around the way we put people in public office? Uh, I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. Uh, I think one of the problems we're seeing is that we have people who have been in office for such a long time mm -hmm. and that, that causes two problems. One is that they're always running, to keep their job. Mm -hmm. They're not focused on doing their job. Mm -hmm. uh, but also it means uh, that I think that they've lost touch with what it is to be in the regular working world. Mm -hmm. The world of politics is kind of an isolated and separate thing. Mm -hmm. And if you want to represent the people, it's really helpful to have been one of the people pretty recently. I think our founding fathers believed that you should have a, a job and a career outside of politics, and then you come and serve your country for a period of time, and then you go back to whatever it is you did before. Mm -hmm. um, so I really believe in term limits. I also think we need to have some significant reform around campaign finance laws. Mm -hmm. um, public financing of elections are, would go a really long way to help solve some of the problems that we see. Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't just mean that all the money comes from uh, from the government. It mm -hmm. means uh, you know small do dollar donors are still really crucial and vital to yeah. Uh, the health of our democracy, but we should really significantly limit the amount of money that any one person or uh, corporation can give to a candidate. Um, this, the city of Seattle, I think it is, uh, has put a really interesting program in mm -hmm. place. They give each resident $100 worth of vouchers, and they get to distribute that mm -hmm. to whatever candidate or candidates they want. Mm -hmm. And so it lets them, it lets every citizen be invested in the elections even if they don't have the financial resources to do it. Right. I love that idea. I think right. that would be a great thing for Philadelphia. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that trick around money and politics is that it's not going away. Uh, right, the trick but is let's like find a way to make it more yeah, equitable. Exactly. <laughs> Transparency and disclosure and kind of trying to level exactly. the playing field to make it possible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, something that, that, you know, probably not enough folks don't realize uh, every spring is that Pennsylvania has a closed primary system. We do. What, you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I go back and forth about it. On the mm -hmm. one hand, I do feel like the party should have uh, the right to choose who is representing them mm -hmm. in the general election. And when you have an open primary that um, that anybody can vote in, you know, you maybe dilute the um, mm -hmm. ability of the party to choose their representatives. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we've seen some very interesting results in states like California, where they have this uh, it's a, it's as open as it gets, and mm -hmm. it's a you know top two no matter what party they're right, from. Right, right. Um, I kind of like that idea too because if the state or municipality is overwhelmingly you know leaning one way or the other, like we are in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. I think you get better choices that way that are more representative of the people. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not 100% sure whether we should get rid of our closed primaries or not, but I think it's something interesting that we should definitely look at. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
So here, I'll, I'll move back over to council. So you know, an, another dynamic that I think is really important for folks to understand is that we have 10 district council members, yes. right, and seven at, at large. And, yeah. and that's just not simply, you know, district council members represent certain folks in certain parts of the city and at large folks represent folks at large. I mean, there's uh, across the city, there's, there's power involved here. So yeah. um, could you speak a little bit to like how you think the power works right now in that given arrangement? And, and is it okay? Should it, should it work a little bit differently? Uh, I think that we could do better. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of ways we could do better, but yeah, I think we could do better there. Um, the, you know, we have this concept of councilmanic prerogative, mm -hmm. and it's not a law. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, a requirement. It's mostly tradition. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a time when district council members really did know and, and understand their district better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's true anymore. Our districts are quite large, mm -hmm. and um, and there is so much financial influence in politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, that I'm not, I'm not sure it's true anymore that, that those council members really know every aspect of their district. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that no matter what council is doing, we make sure that the community is involved and engaged in those decisions mm -hmm. and, and that, we, um, and that we're, we're talking to them about what's right for them. As an at-large member, mm -hmm. I will have no problem standing up and saying, that bill is not benefiting the people of, of a particular district or the people of the city. Mm -hmm. I, I see that as my obligation mm -hmm. uh, to represent all of the people of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the reasons why I've been trying to get to every corner of the city. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to run at large, I want to really know the people in mm -hmm. every part of the city. Right. Um, so yeah, talking to people is, is, I think, one of the ways we counter it. Um, and I think that we need to elect new voices that have the courage to stand up and say, mm -hmm. this is not right, and this is not serving the people of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you feel like there's, you know, there have been enough new voices in council, let's say, like over the past 10, 15, 20 years, or has, has there not been quite enough turnover? I mean, we, we, at some, we generally think there needs to be some amount of turnover in any legislature. Uh, yes, I, I agree with that. It's, mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why I'm a fan of term limits. Mm -hmm. um, new voices, I think, are always beneficial. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, there has been some turnover, but we are still facing the same problems that we have been facing for decades. Our mm -hmm. poverty rates are increasing. Mm -hmm. Our homelessness rates are increasing. Uh, the, the economy may be getting better, but I think you know we have to be very careful about that and watch what's happening. Mm -hmm. Every four years, politicians come along and say to us they're going to fix it, mm -hmm. and it's not getting fixed. So I think we have to change what we're doing. If we want different results, we have to elect different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it, it seems you know pretty clear that you know the, where we have had you know generally more turnover in council is in, the, in those at-large slots. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, as like, as you know, like one of the one of the challenges, I guess, with with those at-large slots is is you know we have to determine who goes onto the ballot in what order, and that's determined you know randomly. Mm -hmm. So whoever draws that number one slot yeah. is going to be in a, in a pretty good position, yeah. ballot position, all across yeah. the city of Philadelphia. You know, what do you think about that process? Should should we be doing that differently? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I for a very long time, I said if we could randomize ballot positions by precinct mm -hmm. or, or you know or by by ward or something, I thought that would be good. And then somebody made a counter argument to me about mm -hmm. voter literacy. Mm -hmm. And said, you know, there we have a very high illiteracy rate in Philadelphia, 22%, yeah. I think. And so that's a lot of people who mm -hmm. don't know how to read. And mm -hmm. so they maybe count on those numbers mm -hmm. to know what button they want to push. Mm -hmm. And so if we had a randomized ballot, it would be much more difficult for people. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, even beyond that, for just even a general voter, the ballot is so long. It could be very busy, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like it will be in next month. I think there's going to be voter fatigue mm -hmm. standing in that voter. I mean, it could mm -hmm. take you 10, 15 minutes to press mm -hmm. all the buttons you have to press. Yeah. So uh, 
I think that the pulling the numbers out of the coffee can is quaint and makes for a good Twitter account. Mm -hmm. Sure does. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But I, I also am not sure that, uh, especially with our judicial candidates, mm -hmm. um, electing our judges based on the number they pulled out of a coffee can, yeah, problematic. I don't think that's serving democracy very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, lots of issues there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our elections work. So we, you know, we have a few minutes left. I, you know, what's what's one big thing that you would want to accomplish, uh, you know, in your first term as a council member? So the centerpiece of my legislative agenda is to bring a public bank to Philadelphia. Right. Um, so I don't know. A lot of people are not familiar with the concept of a public bank. I mm -hmm. mentioned it briefly mm -hmm. um, at the beginning. We are putting our money in these Wall Street banks. Our five billion dollar city budget has to go somewhere, uh, and right now it's going to Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Wall Street is charging us a lot of fees to, to have our money there. Yeah. Um, and they're investing it in things that I don't personally agree with, gas and oil pipelines, for-profit prisons. I think a lot of Philadelphians don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not being invested back here in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. That money would be so much better served being invested here at home with us not paying those fees, with us being able to refinance our debt uh, at a much better rate. Um, and ultimately, that public bank could support our regional banks that would help small businesses mm -hmm. uh, get uh, the loans and funding that they need. It could help um, individuals who are unbanked or underbanked get accounts if they need them. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of benefits to opening a public bank here in Philadelphia, and I think it solves a lot of our budgetary problems without raising taxes, which is something I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, accomplishing big policy change is difficult unless the yeah. political context is just right. Yeah. Kind of the, the stars yeah. align. From you know what you've heard from from the from the voters. You've You've spoken with other candidates. Like, you, do you think that could line up? Uh, uh, you know, I think it years? could. Uh, public banking is starting to get a lot of attention nationally. Mm -hmm. um, they're looking at it: California, New York, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. The Bank of North Dakota actually is 100 years old and has always been profitable and solvent. They returned $300 million to the state um, pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot. You know, we have twice as many residents in Philadelphia as the whole state of North Dakota, right. and our budget is significantly larger than theirs. So yeah. we could be returning a lot more money to our coffers as well. Um, so I do think the time is right. The Fells Institute at Penn actually mm -hmm. did a study about public banking in Philadelphia, and the results of it were very positive. Mm -hmm. um, and there is an RFP that is going through council right now um, to, to see how we might go about establishing a public bank. My concern is that it is going to uh, wallow and not get pushed. Mm -hmm. We'll do the study, which we have a lot of tendency to do, mm -hmm. and then not follow through on it. And mm -hmm. I think that for Philadelphians, where we're, we're the largest poor city in America, money is our fundamental problem. Mm -hmm. And so we need to find more of it without harming the people of Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the election day is coming up. Uh, what's what's the, the yeah, that's the, and that's your big policy objective. Yeah. What's what's the yeah. one other thing your voters should know about you uh, uh, when, they, when they walk into their Well, site. speaking about numbers, mine is number 64. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm the third one over on the top row of the mm -hmm. at-large candidates. Uh, and I'm just really excited to serve the people of Philadelphia. I do see this as a job interview, like you said at the beginning. And my goal is to interview with as many Philadelphians as I possibly can. So I'd love to, uh, you know, hear from people. You can reach me on my website, www.beth4phl.com. And I love talking to voters. It's my favorite thing to do. So uh, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're signing off here from uh, Studio C70. Um, thank you so much for joining us. You can uh, follow Ben, uh, Beth at her, at, her, at her website. Uh, and, and also um, the nonpartisan voter guide that 70 just launched uh, this week. Um, you can find it at ballot.70.org. Uh, you can also download uh, our new WeVote app, uh, wherever you download your apps at home. Uh, it has all the resources you could possibly need to get ready to vote next month. 
Uh, lastly, thank you to Thomas Gallon Harrison for their generous support uh, to make these uh, uh, Facebook Live uh, broadcasts possible. So, yeah. Beth, thank you so much. Thanks and for good having luck on the trail. me. It's been great to be here. Terrific. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this podcast extra. And as we say in each and every episode of the 20 by 70 podcast, expect more Philadelphia.